0: Welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. This is Mimi. I'm here with Bridget. Hey, Bridget. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well.
1: What's going on? Uh, Dude, not much on my end. I'm just kind of trying to get all the holiday marketing stuff out. Um, But I am so excited about all the podcasts that we have coming out and that we are recording before the end of the year.
0: Yeah, there's some good stuff, some really self-indulgent stuff that I'm... (laughs) so excited for that basically is just my dream. Yep. And dear listeners, you may not like a, t- uh, a podcast that is entirely devoted to Taylor Swift, but
1: it's happening. If you want it, you don't have to listen.
0: <laughs> it's going to be amazing. We have some wonderful guests that are joining us and yeah, get excited. I mean that I was going to say, what are you loving right now? And um, I yeah. am loving Evermore. It's amazing. I I ran in the woods this morning up at Wonderlick And I was like, Oh, I'm in the forest. Here are the trees. It is evermore. And then this afternoon, my door was open and I I work upstairs and my fiance works downstairs. And he comes upstairs and he's like, Can you turn down the music because everyone on my (laughs) zoom call can hear it. And I didn't realize the door was open. And I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, but They should be thanking me. Like, don't they all want to hear
1: it? It's Friday and there's new Taylor Swift. So what else are we doing?
0: (laughs) Come on. He was like, not so much. (laughs) Anyway. That's
1: funny. Yeah, I'm loving that. I'm also loving the weather. I went out for a run to listen to the album and it was just, it was very much a mood because uh, I live where I grew up, and so like I'm running past like my childhood, like high school boyfriend's mm. childhood home, and it's like overcast, and there's a, like some holiday e ish themed songs, and there's holiday decorations. I was just like, oh wow, this is bringing it back, and like you know, making me feel grateful for where I'm at. Oh yeah, such
0: a mood. Perspective is a wonderful thing. Absolutely. So today's episode is with uh, Peninsula Distance Club runner, Olympic trials qualifier and participant, and upcoming The Marathon Project participant, Mara Olson. And Mara was so fun to talk to. She's so interesting. She has such a, a cool story from being a collegiate runner to sort of taking a stab at going pro to starting medical school and then taking a little bit of another career pivot. And we got to learn all about her, what she's passionate about, Um, You know, it's just another example of the people we get to talk to and all athletes. There's just, there's so much more. Than runners
1: totally, and we and we get into that. I think mm-hmm. you know her. She's someone who has an yeah. interesting relationship that has obviously evolved, like all of our relationships with, you know, what role running has played in her in her identity. You know, after college, it took more of like center stage, but then she always knew she wanted to go to medical school. Medical school came around, um, and I think it's so interesting, you know, that she tried to do the track trials in 2016. The uh, Olympic track trials mm-hmm. came, I think, within like three or four seconds. Um, of qualifying didn't end up qualifying but then in her debut marathon qualifies for the marathon olympic trials this go around Mm -hmm. so you know just has has seen you know uh what it's like on both ends of that coin and it's just it's it's fascinating she's a great person and a local runner so we'd get a lot into you know running in san francisco and um you you know talking about your coach too and running down near stanford yep
0: yeah we we share a coach in the wonderful dina evans the other thing, you know, that I'm excited about, besides sharing this episode, uh, letting you hear from Mara, seeing how she does in the Marathon Project, yeah, um, is I decided to to make a change and to, instead of going with my typical chocolate, to order the cookies and cream you can. I just nice. thought I would announce that.
1: Good. It's important. It feels it's important. important. Yeah. It's important. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I ordered it. We're going to see how it goes. I mean, everyone seems to love it. So I can't wait to incorporate that into my fueling strategy
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah i'm totally obsessed um i've been mixing it sometimes with like almond extract or vanilla extract i'm all about putting the cinnamon in there it's great highly recommend but you can play with it awesome
0: So make sure that you go to youcan.co slash discount slash ROTB for 15% off. Try new things. They have wonderful, amazing products that will keep your tummy happy and will help you run stronger and better and happier. So with that, enjoy this episode with Mara Olson. Hey, Mara, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, So one of the ways we like to get started is just, you know, tell us how your day went today.
2: Um, What did it look like for you? Oh, that's a great way to start. Um, So I recently started a job at a company called Carbon Health, which is a healthcare technology startup here in the Bay Area. And this is my fourth day. And so my day consisted of just endless Zoom meetings, meeting lots of new people, being overwhelmed by all kinds of asks I don't yet know how to do, but it's been really exciting so a busy but a good day did you go for a run today oh yes that's how I started the day um (laughs) but I like to run in the morning when I can um so I did uh just a little over 10 miles this morning and then hopped on zoom
1: what is it like to start a job right right now like with every I'm assuming they're all remote like what was that like
2: Yeah, no. And I think I'm in decent company in that, you know, everything is changing. There's no such thing as consistency or stability anymore. Um, This is actually kind of my first quote unquote real job. Um, I just was in medical school for the past many years before that was running professionally and working part time. And then before that I was in college. Um, And so the whole interview process was new to me. The whole, you know, networking on LinkedIn was new to me. And I'm grateful that that process is over now and I get to just move forward with the job part.
0: Yeah. So where I work at Stanford, we have brought on a lot of new hires over the pandemic. And I I just have so much empathy for them of how challenging it is to to get to know people and in such like a complex system yeah uh, something you know at the hospital system at stanford it's like how do you it's hard to navigate that in person how do you navigate that over zoom so yeah i think anyone that starts a new job right now like you know deserves i don't know a startup (laughs) bonus or something
2: yeah actually that's a great idea yeah yeah my employers know that (laughs) um no yeah it it was kind of anticlimactic you know to Mm. just like i mean my laptop came in the mail and then i set (laughs) it up in my little corner of the apartment that I share. And that was it. And now it's just putting faces to names. And sadly, that's all you get is a face and a no. name. Um, but hopefully there is a post COVID life at some point, And then it'll just be like a brand new start all over again.
1: Mm-hmm. What yeah. is the company doing? What are, what's your role? It's a great question. So the company is called Carbon
2: Health. Um, it's a technology-based healthcare company that initially was providing primary care and urgent care and telemedicine all through an app. Made it very accessible and very um, easy. Um, and then when COVID hit, we started rolling out this daily symptom tracker testing um, care platform and that's been spun up to enterprises. So we do a lot of like film industry testing, mm. a lot of big business testing, trying to get employees back into the office safely, and events where people can test and um, get provided care to make all of that, you know, all of the, all of the things function in COVID life the way that are it's difficult to do. So I'm a technical program manager, which means I try to coordinate all the different pieces within the what's called COVID ready platform. Hmm.
1: That's so interesting. My brother-in-law does all the events at Salesforce. So like every year they've done like Dreamforce. They take over the whole like Moscone Center. I don't know. It's like insane. They, I think one year had like people parachute down. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it, yeah.
2: They do take over the city. I right. will say
1: Completely. And so then this year rolls around and this like you know this signature event that is kind of the primary thing that they spend all their budget on they were like oh my gosh what do we do and so he had to you know completely transform to like this hybrid almost like hiring like movie people to make the whole thing like a virtual immersive experience um but for the past few days he's been they've had all of these people like on a set and it's been so incredible hearing like how how you do that now you know how like the vans and how like protected and like in a bubble people are all the different types of testing. I didn't know they were doing like oxygen level testing in addition to the temperature checks and the rapid testing. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. And it's uh, you know, all in all, it's like going to be more expensive than in. (laughs) I don't doubt it. Yeah. It's just
2: incredible. I mean, people have to function life goes on Uh, and it's just about adaptability and getting creative and yes, spending more money than than you maybe initially planned for. Yeah, for sure. So getting back to running a little bit, you know, what
0: is one of your earliest memories of running? You know, I did not grow up as
2: a traditional runner, quote unquote. I was always a soccer player and a basketball player and just kind of an all around sports tomboy. Um, And so I was always running but it was kind of a a means to an end, you know, to put a ball in the net or the soccer ball in the goal. Um, But that's also why I was successful in sports was because I Mm -hmm. could run for a while. (laughs) Um, And then when it came time to apply to colleges, I took a hard look at what I wanted to do. And I really loved the objectivity and measurability of running. And that's why I dove into Uh, division one track and field and cross country was it was I'm someone that's always wanted to be able to measure my progress and that's really easy to do in running you get a time (laughs) and a distance and (laughs) there you are
1: what was it like going from high school where you're doing kind of you're thinking of yourself as this like well-rounded athlete to then (laughs) d1 track and field Yeah.
2: I mean, you could honestly, like I have an existential crisis once a quarter um, (laughs) of like, who am I? Um, yeah, yeah, I went from, you know, I'm an all around athlete to now I do one thing. I run in one direction. I lose all my hip strength. Um, (laughs) but it's, it's definitely still part of my identity. Uh, I, I like to keep myself active. I like to do climbing and snowboarding and hiking and, um, running is definitely the primary. That's where I spend most of my time. But ultimately I think in a lot of ways I've resisted this idea that you have to specialize in life, in a career, in a sport. Um, I like to have my hands on a lot of different things and, um, I think running is just one manifestation of that. Yeah. What was um? What
0: event did you run in college, and how did how did you do that? <laughs> um. So I thought I was a
2: miler. You know, the the sexy distance. I didn't mm-hmm. run many miles in high school, and I didn't really know what it meant to train. I was probably running like twenty miles a week. I thought I was good because I could run a a five flat mile, and in Minnesota that was um, pretty competitive. And then I got to college and realized that you know, a 440 wasn't going to cut it. Mm. Um, And so my coach just kind of gradually kept pushing me up in distance. I refused to run a 10k until the very end of my senior year. And I had gotten a a stress reaction earlier in the year. And the 10k was just the easier event to qualify for nationals in. And so I sucked it up and did that. And then now here I am running marathons. So I think I think that happens to a lot of runners where it yeah. just, you eventually go up in distance and find that you kind of like it. So you resisted the 10K, but then it seemed I, like you, you embraced it. What do you think?
0: You talked about measurability improvement. Yeah. What do you think it was about the 10K that you ultimately gave
2: into? To be honest, like pressure from coaching. <laughs> And the, you know, I wanted to go, I wanted to go to nationals again, Mm -hmm. and it just was going to be way more attainable in the 10K. And so I wasn't a huge fan of it at first, but I, that pressure really paid off and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm glad it all happened. And the same thing with the marathon, I didn't want to run a marathon, but the Olympic trials qualifying time was attainable. And so I was like, oh, I might as well do this. And now I like it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, every time you move up a distance, it's a fresh slate. Mm-hmm. You've never done that distance before. You have no times. It's a new beast to conquer. And I love that. I'm not thinking about ultras anytime soon, but, you know,
1: who knows? <laughs> well, what was it like running at Butler? You had, uh, it sounds like you had some injuries, but overall, Lots of oh yeah! Overall, it was
2: a great experience. You know, I came in, like I said, out of high school, had no idea what it was like to train. Um, and so, freshman year I was just kind of getting my feet under me. I we went through three different conferences at Butler, and each conference we moved up in a competitive level. So we started mm-hmm. out in the Horizon League, and so each time I could kind of be the right size fish in the right size pond, where there was mm-hmm. lots of people to push me, but I could also feel successful. Um, and so we went to the A10 then, and then ultimately to the big East. And so it was kind of cool to have our athletic department progressing in line with me. Like it felt like Ah. a parallel growth. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was really neat. And I actually had very few injuries until that one stress reaction, um, right before I went to indoor nationals in the 5k and 3k my senior year. Um, and that was like the one big injury I had. And it was, um, of course it felt like my life was ending, but ultimately I've been really, uh, really fortunate in that department.
1: That's great. What about transitioning after college? to being a runner without a team, being a runner without, or did you j- j- immediately go pro? Like, what was that transition like? Yeah.
2: So at Butler, I mean, th- that's something I've always loved about sports is the team aspect. Uh, one of the highlights of my life was our cross country team at Butler got third at nationals and cross country. And it was one of those moments, just like overwhelming emotion, tears, um, and being able to share that with other people is what made it count. And then... Transitioning out of college, I knew I wanted to go to med school, but I also didn't feel like I'd reached my potential in running. And naively, I thought I could take one year out of college and achieve all of my running potential and all of my <laughs> success and then move on with my life thereafter. Um, so I moved to Boulder, Colorado. My partner was already out there. He's a year older than me. So he had moved out the year before. So that was a really easy transition um, logistically. And I found a running team out there called Roots Running. Um, I was the first athlete coached by Richard Hansen out there. Um, His now wife, Aaliyah Gray, uh, was being coached by Joe V. Hill. And so it was just us two girls at the start. And then Noah Dratti came along and joined. And uh, Willie Milam came a little bit later. And we had people move in and out. And um, it was really, like, really kind of a eclectic, cool group of people. That all really loved running, but also we're all really well-rounded as well. Lots of different interests, and so I'm really glad I joined a team. Um, running solo is really hard. It's really hard to find mm-hmm. motivation, and I did not achieve all of my running dreams in one year. <laughs> um, but I did. I did stay two years in Boulder. I was able to defer med school for a year, which was such a gift. Um, so I spent two years in Boulder training, and my first year out of out of college was. I think like most first year out of college runners was hard. I was, I was still like a, I did solid in my races, but it's that, you know, who am I? What do I want to do with my life? I think I'm an adult, but I'm actually not. I want to be independent, but I also want someone to tell me exactly what to do. (laughs) Um, And so being in the boulder bubble was actually a really great way to transition. And I felt like I had, you know, um, some protection around me while I grew up, and then moved to the Bay Area after those two years. My second year was much more successful. I did very well, got a lot of PRs, felt really good about it, and then moved to the Bay Area.
1: What were you training for in this post-college? Was it all about track 10Ks, or are you starting to dabble in the marathon? I was
2: new to the roads. I did my first road race was the 5K USATF championships in the fall of 20, that was 2015. Um, and then so I spent the fall season doing roads. And that, I mean, it's it's a di- entirely different type of racing, which I've come to prefer. Um, and then I did a little bit of indoor track and then hit outdoor track really hard in the spring. I actually learned to steeple uh wow. Because it was 2016, and I thought that would be me and my coach thought that would be the easier event to qualify the tri- for the trials, and turns out it was a very competitive year. So, mm-hmm. um, but that was really fun. I had I had steepled once before in college, and it was an utter mess. And so to learn how to steeple and again like have a blank slate and try a new event was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like your second
0: year, you started to gain momentum, have success and decide, I mean, you had deferred medical school for a year, but decided it's the right time to go. What was that decision like? Was it hard to sort of put a pause on the success that you were having? Or was it a no-brainer to say, you know, it's time to sort of move on? I actually think I ran
2: better because of the deferral. Mm -hmm. Like, I I knew I wanted to go to medicine, and then I finally, like, had that outlined for me. And mm-hmm. so there was just this huge stress relief after after I had my path set out and after I'd been accepted and knew that like okay I have one year to just do this right and also enjoy it Um, and so yeah I went to I I was top ten in in several different USATF championships on the road and then I did not steeple that year thank goodness mm-hmm. um, uh, but yeah it, it I pr'd in I think the the five k and the ten k and whatever random road distances there were. And so that felt really great. And I actually, I had kind of a hard time in Boulder because I didn't get to feed those other sides of myself. Mm. It was very running focused. And I know that that's some people's ideal. And, you know, on paper, it sounded really ideal. But I went through a lot of just like really unhappy moments where I didn't feel like I was using my brain I felt like I wasn't being of use to the world. It felt like a really selfish lifestyle to me personally. I just didn't feel like I could give back in the way I wanted to, um, and so I was very ready to start school. Mm. Um, and I, the transition was actually really pretty perfect for me. I mean, I still like really missed being in Boulder and really missed the, you know, the running lifestyle. But um, two years there was was a good amount of time for me.
1: Yeah, it's funny how you can you can like that time, but also like struggle with it and be like, this isn't, and I'm sure, you know, you have moments now where you're like, oh, I just love to go back to Boulder. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I love visiting. It's
2: incredible. And it was definitely one of those things where it's not a this, but this, it was a this and this, like mm-hmm. I'm really happy and I'm really feeling kind of trapped at the same time. So yeah. um interesting dichotomies.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that self-awareness to know, like, you, you love running. You're amazing at it. But there's so many other parts of you that you feel like you need to express or use or I like what you said, be of use to the world, like contribute. And I think that when we we feed those parts of ourselves or we have the self-awareness to recognize that, then we do better. In running or in, in other things. I mean, obviously, there's benefits at your level to train at a really really high level, but also there's a, such a thing as too much, and having some sort of balance or or something else to sort of distract you from when running isn't going well or when school isn't going well. Like you have you have something else.
2: Yeah, and I was always kind of enviable of people that wanted to be running all the time and like mm. that's all they knew. And you know, it's it's a not easier, but kind of a simpler mindset to have. And I just kind of created a lot of angst in my own head that is not enviable, but ultimately I think has given me a lot of broad experiences. So mm-hmm. it's not like there's a right or a wrong way to do anything in life. Um, right. But for me, yeah, it was, it was nice to, to try to keep a mix. Like I did some personal training when I was in Boulder, which made me feel somewhat productive. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was a great amount of time. And like the relationships built there will never fade Mm -hmm. what made
0: you decide you wanted a career in medicine so did you go to college knowing you were going to be pre-med and have
2: that sort of (laughs) mapped out for yourself um there's definitely a theme in my life where I pretty much just put my head into the sand until I absolutely can't anymore (laughs) so uh I I make decisions as late as possible. I try to keep mm. as many doors open for as long as I possibly can until there's no other choice. I really liked science. Like I knew I wanted to major in biology. And then pretty much if you're in the sciences in college, you really get two choices. Do I go to grad school and do research? Or do I go to med school or some other, you know, mm-hmm. type of program? Um, and I did research in college and just the research I did was very molecular and then preclinical and I absolutely hated it. It just, the, (laughs) there was no immediate gratification. And I like really that did not jive with me, ironically that I'm a runner, but um, I just, I really wanted to see like tangible impact. And Mm -hmm. so medicine seemed a really natural fit. And I've always loved to grind. And so it seemed, it seemed, it seemed like the right, the right path. And I, it was, it was, it was the right choice. Definitely at that time. Yeah, it is a grind. So were you, were
0: you applying um,
2: that first year in Boulder? Yeah. So I took the MCAT my senior year in college, and then I spent the summer applying when I was in Boulder and then did all my interviews in the fall. And got accepted to UCSF in, it was late. I want to say it was May. And then I started, well, I was supposed to start that August, but I deferred for a year. So I started August of 2017.
0: So you make the move out to California. You're from Minnesota. Yeah. And then go to Colorado and now all of a sudden you're in sunny California where the weather's perfect all the time. I mean, yeah, all, most of the time. <laughs> um what was it like to seek out a running group or to, to fit running into your med school life once
2: you came out here? Yeah, so that was a really rough transition. To be honest, mm-hmm. like I'd never lived in a big city. I mean, Minneapolis is I lived right outside Minneapolis and And, you know, it was just an easy place to grow up and then lived outside of Indianapolis, which, again, Mm -hmm. is like a very accessible city. And then Boulder is its own little, you know, little Mm -hmm. bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, And so me and my partner moved to San Francisco and immediately his car got broken into. Both our bikes got stolen. Our, Our pod with all of our stuff never showed up. So we had no... Belongings oh for the first week, and it was just everything that could go wrong in the city all went wrong in the first two weeks. Um, and so I had I had continued to be with my um, same running coach Richie Richie Hanson in Colorado, and was just doing it long distance. Um, but I struggled with the long distance thing. You know, he wrote my training, and it was all great, and I was still running well. But med school life is not consistent. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the next day is gonna be, let alone the next week. And so a lot of times I had to push a workout to a different day or just do it at odd hours. And it was just hard. It was hard to manage that. It was hard to keep it adaptable at a distance. And so I, I ran for him and with him through that winter. And then you know I did some races and I did pretty well. But I I knew when when the winter time came, you know, and a new year starts, it was just like a, a natural time to, to do a reset. And I had known Dina uh, through one of my college teammates actually was out here in the Bay Area. She's a couple of years older than me. And so she had been running with Dina and what was then called the Strava team, mm-hmm. Strava Track Club. And so I'd heard whisperings. I'd actually met Dina before. Um, and so she was always kind of in the back of my brain and I'd never had a woman coach. Um, and so I was like a little bit reticent about that, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it was it was such a good choice. Not that Richie was, you know, a poor fit. It just it, it was so nice to have a female in the Bay Area. And um, so I transitioned over to her in a, a year after I got actually to the Bay Area. Um, I had tried to train myself through a marathon buildup and that did not go well. So (laughs) that's when I was officially like,
1: okay, Dina, Mm -hmm. I need help. Yeah. What was the hesitation for a female coach?
2: I think honestly, it was just the pattern. Like I'd had all of my soccer coaches had been men. All of my track coaches had been men from high school up through post collegiate. And I just personally am someone that likes really Blunt feedback, um, yeah. and I had gotten that from all of my male coaches, and it was just new to me. Mm-hmm. You know, what is a female coach going to be like? Um, but it's been really fantastic. You know, uh, a woman understands things that men can't, um, just inherently. Yeah, and Dean <laughs> will tell you how it is. Oh yeah, I mean, Dean is blunt. Like, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I love so, everything about, about her as a coach. Yes. It has been like such an amazing fit. Yeah. We recently did Rim to Rim
0: in the Grand Canyon together. It was me, her. You were there? Ma- oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Melinda DiNapoli and uh, some, a, a few other women. And I was really lagging behind. Like I was, it was struggle bus. And Dina was like way up on another switchback on the trail, like yelling down to me, like coaching <laughs> me. It was,
2: it, and was, like, it was like dino shut up i don't want to hear this right no, now it was,
0: actually it was like exactly what i needed i was like yes That's so cool i need uh, my coach there yeah
2: she's she's wonderful. she will not let you quit she no, won't she won't as much as she you really played with her
1: yeah. there's no quitting in the grand canyon too i think they're yeah, like, right if you get left yeah. Behind, you're left behind
0: yeah we made it out it was great highly recommend doing it it was awesome. Um, going back to the marathon piece. So you, you are <laughs> reticent about the 10K. You're like, this is too far. You're running yeah. that. And then you decide independently, I'm guessing, to run the marathon. So when you decided to run that first marathon, was that in pursuit of the the OTQ? No, actually, like that
2: wasn't even on my radar. Um, so I'd started medical school that fall and I ran some good races at the very start. And it just got to this point where I was like, okay, I just know that I'm not going to PR this coming spring. Like, There's no way I'm going to get on track and PR in a 10K. I'm just not doing that kind of training. So I really wanted to feel like I was progressing. I just needed that eco bump to put a new time Mm -hmm. under my belt. And so the marathon just seemed like a, a, you know, a good new project, something to feel good and successful, and might as well be extreme. So, that was
1: you skip the, right over the half. Just go yeah, right to the marathon.
2: Yeah. Oh no, I did some halves in there, okay. but yeah, I, yeah, I wanted, I wanted the you know, go big or go home. Yeah. What was your first marathon? Um, So I actually two weeks before I was going to run Grandma's that spring, Grandma's marathon in Duluth. Um, I had a fibular stress fracture, which is a really weird spot to get a stress fracture. It's not even a weight bearing bone, but I honestly had not been taking care of myself. I was running over a hundred mile weeks in med school, like between Mm -hmm. campuses. I, it just like wasn't sustainable. And I, that's part of the reason I need a coach is someone to say like, Hey, just sit down. Um, and also like I did some growing up that year. Um, mm-hmm. and so it, it was a, it, looking back, it was a good thing to have happened. It was kind of life saying like, sit down and shut up for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I did redeem myself and go back and do grandma's the next year. And that, that was my first marathon. That was, um, what was that? 2019. Yeah. That was my qualifying race for the, for the trials and everything about that aligned perfectly. Like it was such a perfect day and the weather was amazing we had a little bit of a tailwind like I hit my splits and it all came together it was one of those kind of magical moments wow
1: so wait first marathon (laughs) you've ever done you just qualified
2: (laughs) yeah it was I just kind of threw it to the wind and said like let's try this I mean if I don't qualify I'm no worse off than I currently am so Mm uh yeah it was it was a fun introduction to the the distance and then did the trials as my second marathon. And so we'll, we'll see what happens next.
1: What was your trials experience like?
2: Oh my God. it like, if grandma's was perfect, the trials was heaven. I, I don't know how I had gotten so sick that, that winter right before the trials, like I didn't start training until early mid January because I'd been just so sick. And so that lowered my expectations, which I think helped me. Um, and my buildup was pretty short. It was like eight or nine weeks. And I think mm-hmm. that helped me. Um, I think I was just peaking at the right times. I wasn't in school at the time. I was doing research that year. And so the the schedule is a little bit less grueling. And uh, everything at the trials was just like unprecedented. I mean, there were so mm-hmm. many people. The energy was insane. And Atlanta Track Club ran it. I, like, I could not applaud them any harder than I am. They Everything was just run so well. It was the best organized race I've ever been a part of, despite there being, I don't know, 700 athletes there. Mm-hmm. That was
0: sort of the week before the world <laughs> yeah. ended, exploded. Yeah. I, I mean, were people talking about it? I, I had a race the next day and Dina called me that night and said, Hey, or called me Saturday night after the trials and said, "Hey, like you just need to give it everything because I was supposed to it was my uh, tune-up for Boston and she was like Boston's not going to happen." Aww. And and people were already it sounded like people were already talking about it at the trials. So, were people yeah. thinking about it or was everyone
2: just more focused on the amazing yeah. day that happened? That's a great question, and I'm I'm glad Dina had that foresight to warn you cuz it was not on. I mean, it was definitely a topic of conversation, but more in that kind of like, "haha, COVID," thing. <laughs> yeah. um, like, I wore a mask on the way to the trials, and people looked looked sideways at me, like, "What, what is this person doing?" You know, I, I was using hand sanitizer. No, one, no one else was. It just wasn't. It wasn't big yet. One of my teammates actually, right after the trials, we all got together, and he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna be Italy within." two weeks Mm -hmm. and we all we all just looked at him as if he was crazy like Matt Lenahan, who's on my team Mm -hmm. we were like what are you talking about Italy is like shut down that's insane and sure enough the next week we were all in lockdown and Mm -hmm. uh, I think everyone was taken aback by how quickly things moved and how fast and how bad things got Mm -hmm. so there's definitely some higher power working its magic to uh, to allow us to run that race with that many people that smoothly right before this chaos happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it wasn't like a spreader event or like, there just seemed to be like no cases that stemmed from it as far as we all know, as far as I know, um, just seems wild now in hindsight because we know it was, it was here and that it, it's highly contagious and that seems like oh planes and hotels and press conferences and people screaming at each other. You're like, oh no, yeah, that's yes, the right fitting, droplets. Jetting, like-
2: <laughs> Sharing beers afterwards. Yeah, yes, and, exactly. and in Atlanta and all of these like really thin runners whose immune systems are not working, not working at maximum capacity. Yeah, yeah it I mean there, there was there was a sign of a higher power, in my mm-hmm. opinion, going mm-hmm. on there. Yeah.
0: I've been thinking about like the full circle nature of Atlanta a little bit. I mean, only like a runner would think about it this way <laughs> of it started off with the trials and then it ended with saving democracy or at least having oh, a role yeah. in saving democracy.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Atlanta. Thank you. thank
2: you. Shout out.
0: Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> Atlanta.
1: Yeah. Thank you. We Atlanta. Owe you. <laughs> Yeah, party in Atlanta when all of this is over. Just go yeah. and like boost the economy there and be like, Thank yeah, you. we need to give them
0: back something. <laughs> I wish we could move there now and be three more voters. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you know,
2: I wouldn't mind the warmth either. I think yeah. that'd, I'd be okay with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How do you do with so? Like, I. I mean. Going to the trials, that whole experience, you know, Mimi and I were totally captivated, but we're watching this from, you know, Instagram lives and hearing stories and watching the coverage. Um, and there was a ton of it. I mean, it was get It was in the New York Times. It was everywhere. It just felt like, especially for like women, the the women who qualify for the trials, they just felt like that was yeah. something that went so far outside of just like the running bubble. Are you like, how do you handle that like did that feel like pressure how do you kind of handle being there being at the center of it um the pressure that you put on yourself to compete and then just what uh, what it feels like like external pressure
2: yeah running doesn't traditionally get a ton of attention in the united states it's just not how how it's worked here um but the olympic trials did especially in the women's Mm -hmm. side i mean what a epic year Um, which was really cool. Like, I think it was really good for the event, but yeah, leading up to it, it's kind of like, all right, no one look at me. Um, but everyone's going to be looking, um, you know, I, this is gonna sound horrible, but I've done so many races that I'm kind of like desensitized to the lead up. Actually, I really kind of grieve that process because I don't get very nervous anymore. Mm -hmm. And I have to really like dig deep into my, soul to to find kind of the the gravity of certain situations. I will say though, that the energy that day did tap into something I hadn't felt in a long time. Mm. That just, there was, the word for it is gravity. Like there was a magnetic force there that just made you feel a part of something really big. It was really cool. And also it helped being in the, the host hotel where there were people crawling all over the place like there was no way not to get stressed amidst Mm -hmm. all that just like the the stress of chaos um so it it was all really well run but also the energy that that was created and the fans and everything i will say like it was scary the first mile of that race was terrifying Mm -hmm. um you know, the, the stampede at the start, cause everyone's going yeah. about the same pace, you know, yeah. it's not, it didn't thin out for a long time and it was pretty much, all right. If you stay on your feet right now, that's a success. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was, it was scary. It was definitely a mix of terror and excitement.
1: Yeah. I think Caitlin Goodman, who at one point ran on the Strava Peninsula distance club, she took a huge fall and was like mm-hmm. ran the rest of the race, just like with a bloody yeah, face.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She actually went down right next to me. She oh, was no. like up and diagonal from me, and I saw elbows fly, and I saw her kind of like trip and fall, and then I heard a blood curdling scream oh, no. right next to me, and it was it was just one of those moments. Where it was like I, I don't know what's happening, and that you, you can't. There was there was no way you could s- survive this flow of people. It was just mm-hmm. it was a. Like, it was a crowd. It was a mob.
1: Everybody too fast all at once with that much energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a
2: lot of elbows flying. Yeah. Gangly, gangly knees everywhere. Yeah.
0: It was amazing to watch. I mean, I, even afterwards, I would go back and, and watch and just get emotional every time. Um, yeah. And there's so many moments.
2: Yeah. People oh. do.
0: Although the coverage was pretty terrible. I mean, they, oh. they. They were showing like, they weren't even, it wasn't even the end of the men's race. Like they had already finished and they were, I don't know, like walking around in the finish area and they didn't show like when Alephine and Molly like broke off from the pack and you're just like, oh, okay. That happened.
2: What happened? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm so, I'm so impressed and like grateful that you guys watched. It's not, it's not the most thrilling of events, you know, it's a two and a half, three hour process that's not all that thrilling at most points in it
0: I think it is I love it we're (laughs) thrilled by it yeah I'm like my boyfriend watches like six hours of golf every day I'm like that's boring um I mean it's and it's crazy to think that that was really the last in-person big experience and we don't we don't know when it's when it's coming back but but actually, you we do know when you're racing next. So this is a good yeah. transition into your next marathon. You want to
2: tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Marathon number three is coming up December twentieth. Uh, the marathon project, which is being put on by the the Hoka Club out in Flagstaff. They've done a a great job in Rosario's, you know, getting all the logistics together. It's a field of fifty women, fifty men, and it's a u-shaped, horseshoe shoe shaped course. It's just gonna be a bunch of laps back and forth and it's right outside Phoenix. And I think it'll be quite an experience. It's going to be, I don't think it could be more polar opposite to the trials. Mm -hmm. I don't think there will be many spectators. I think it'll be pretty quiet and, um, but that's okay. I mean, what a cool experience to be, to be a part of, you know, a COVID race. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's a stacked field. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: I'm intimidated. Definitely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) that list is so impressive. Um, do you have any, any goals or expectations going in?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I was actually really tempted to just not do it. Like Mm -hmm. I was, I was in this kind of weird transition between withdrawing from medical school and starting a job and just things felt really chaotic and, um, up in the air. And so the idea of racing, weirdly actually did not sound good but Dina really encouraged me to and then when I found out I was accepted it was kind of this like there's no way I'm not doing this
0: mm-hmm.
2: and yeah I haven't raced since the trials <laughs> it will have been almost almost a year at that point when I do race you know 10 months and so that's going to be it's going to be interesting for sure mm-hmm. to have a mm-hmm. Rust Buster be this big event and I definitely have goals I just don't know. Like, it's kind of hard to know context-wise if they're reasonable or not. You know, I would love to PR. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that happening three marathons in a row is reasonable. Um, I don't know what the conditions are going to be like. So much of it depends on so many different factors. Um, mostly, I just want to go out and feel competitive and feel that excitement of racing again because it's been so long. It's been a long kind of slog of a lot of solo running and a lot of it really non-inspiring.
0: Mm-hmm. Are they going to have pacers for different groups or like, how are they uh, managing the
2: logistics of it? I really think they're trying to limit the number of people there as much as possible. Mm-hmm. We have to get two. we have to have two negative COVID tests within th- three days of going. I think um, you're really encouraged not to bring any spectators or like any significant others Um, we're trying to isolate as much as possible in the same hotel. Um, and so it's, um, yeah, I think the energy level is going to be a little bit different. And Mm -hmm. so I don't think they're having rabbits as far as I know that that could change. Um, and also the, the window of, talent is a little bit narrower than I think a lot of races, you know, there's only 50 women in it mm-hmm. and I'm fully preparing myself mentally to be running a lot of it alone. I think, um, because there's only 50 women the likelihood of like there being a, a group of people is a lot smaller, but it's going to be interesting. And I don't know how we'll work with the men if we'll be overlapping mm-hmm. all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, And the loops aren't too big. I think it's only like 2.7 miles across or something.
1: Oh, wow. Hmm. Well, then that kind of gives that energy because then even if you're like backing backtracking on someone, it's like you're never going to be that far away, even if you're all kind of running different paces.
2: Yeah, I hope the guy I actually hope the guys start with us because then in that Mm -hmm. way
1: there's at least someone around at some point. At all times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Someone's lapping you, someone's on the other side, someone's coming back. Yeah. Right. I would much
2: rather do a ton of a ton of repetitive laps, or at least I'm like seeing someone at the same point every lap than going out and doing 10 straight miles of the same road all Mm -hmm. alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like if anyone is going to put on a
0: really fun and like cool, innovative event, it's going to be Ben Rosario and the Hoka group. Like Totally. I'm I'm sure there's going to be some really unique things about it that make it not only fun, but incredibly special to be a part of. Totally. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It'll be well documented. They do yes. a good job documenting their stuff too. <laughs> they yeah. do. Oh,
2: they so do. I, yeah, I should take a few lessons from them in, in their uh, social media accounts.
0: <laughs> so just switching gears a little bit, something I really am interested in. I think you you co-founded or founded rather, I don't know why I always go say co-find. You founded a company uh, or an organization called Period, right? Yes, um, yeah. That, and, you know, we've talked on this podcast and we've about the importance of, Getting your period and um, you know bone health and the importance of that in young girls, also in women, um, also for for men and boys, like everything that comes along with with being a healthy runner and really taking care of yourself. We have had uh, Dr. Emily Kraus on on the yeah. show to talk more about that. She's fabulous. I'd love to dig in a little bit more with you on that. I think what you're doing is incredible, and just want to hear like what inspired you to do that and. What has the response been like and, and where is that at? Yeah, thanks for asking
2: about that. And honestly, like I've kept myself pretty behind the scenes in this project because I, I haven't know, wanted to I'm be, like, I, think I haven't you, wanted to be the face but... of anything. It is me, yes. Um, yeah, so I mean, all throughout college, post-college, in med school, it was just like, I kept seeing this pattern that, first of all, it's not talked about. And second of all, it's just expected that women lose their periods when they train really hard. And that's very common. And I actually, in, in high school, remember during basketball season, being like kind of frustrated with myself because I would be regular. And it just, in my head was like, oh, shoot, I'm not training hard enough. Or like basketball season is the time when I'm quote unquote out of shape, even though I was extremely fit, <laughs> just different muscles, you know, it was a very fast switch uh, non-endurance focused, um, sport. And then I'd get really proud during track season when I would lose a period every once in a while and be like, all right, success. Like I'm an endurance runner. Like This is, this is a good thing. Um, and then especially starting med school, uh, it wasn't even really taught. It was kind of just Mm. this like glanced over like, oh yeah, if a really thin woman comes into the office and doesn't have her period, it's probably because like she's not eating enough or like she runs too much and your advice should be like, oh, don't run as much or like don't train as hard if you're a gymnast or just eat more, things like that. And it really frustrated me and it made me wonder like, wait, it was almost the assumption in when we were taught in med- medical school training, that if someone is an athlete, they lose their period. Whereas that mm-hmm. wasn't, I knew it was common, but I kind of wanted to challenge that assumption that was being made. Mm-hmm. And so I did this very informal poll survey of some of the women I knew from competing and from college. And um, I think I got like 30 or 40 just competitive athletes that I knew and found out that over 60% of them had very regular periods, Mm. which based on my assumptions was a lot higher. I was like, Oh, okay. So you don't have to lose a period to be successful. In fact, most women don't, but there was still a very high number and, um, it just made me wonder why. Mm -hmm. And so I just started personally doing the research because I didn't, know anyone that had the answers and I wanted to find out for myself. And so something that UCSF taught me really well was how to find things out for myself. Mm. Um, so I just read a lot of primary literature. I met with Dr. Emily Krause. We went mm-hmm. to Verve down in Palo Alto to have coffee. Mm-hmm. I met with um, Dr. Clyde Wilson to talk about sports yep. nutrition. Um, Dr. Cobb, who does um, like more sports physiology at Stanford. It's um, a couple other like sports scientists and bone health experts and, and such. And pretty much found that there's really one pattern that determines whether you have your period or not, if you're an athlete. And that's just energy balance. Mm -hmm. Are you, are you balancing your output with your input? And a lot of that's not just like, the it's not necessarily the number of calories you eat and you don't have to have an eating disorder. You know, it, there's, it's just a simple in and out. And a lot of that can depend on timing. It can depend on types of food. Um, And so there's just a lot more nuances That are involved, but also is way less complex than I anticipated. Mm -hmm. And I just, there was so much information that I didn't know, even as a med student, that I just wanted to help other people understand and try to just kind of provide more of like a reliable source for people. So I'm not trying to change behavior. I'm not trying to force any kind of actions upon anyone. I just kind of started this more educational campaign, and I called it period. That was actually my boyfriend's idea. Mm -hmm. And, um, like there is merchandise you can buy, but that was never the point. It was more just kind of a marketing ploy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I created a website, I'm an Instagram, um, and I just try to like condense all of this heavy science into very digestible Mm -hmm. pieces that can be actionable if you want to, but you know, it's, um, I think there is a, a culture in running that just, um, I would love to see change um but don't anticipate to to be able to enact that myself.
0: Well, I think you're a part of it. You're you certainly <laughs> are are helping and I think, you know, I hope you so. said yeah, about just even talking about it, right? Like yeah,
2: it's a like, taboo. Oh, I,
0: like with my partner it's like, well, oh, I'm, you know, I have such bad cramps because I have my period and it's like do, sh- should I talk about that? Should I say that? Yeah. And then it's like, well, yeah. of course, like it's it's a natural thing that happens every month. There are side side effects. I don't know symptoms. Um, and it's part of it's like we spend so much of our lives. If we're getting our period, if we're fortunate enough to have a regular period on our period, we should talk about it. Exactly, Um, and destigmatizing it as an athlete of it's not a sign of of success if you lose your period. Actually, it's a sign that something's wrong. You need to take mm-hmm. a step back. And to your point, doesn't mean that you have an eating disorder. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's, uh, that it's irreversible. It just means, you know, you need to pay a little bit more attention to ensure that you're healthy and strong and able to be your best runner self.
2: I could not have said that any better. You're absolutely right. And and girl, who doesn't want to talk about their cramps or like complain about yeah. their, you know, it's just, it, mean, it yeah. should, we all do kind of want to talk about it, but there's a stigma and there's a, it's just always been hush hush and that's just the way it is. But I, I do want to create more conversation and I love that we're able to have this.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I tell Dina when I have my period all the time.
1: It it affects things. It It
2: does. It's yeah, that is the perk of having a female coach is she can just say, like, all right, cool, take ten seconds off your split times. Like (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. so when you think about your relationship with running in like 10, 20, 30, 40 years, what is that? What does that look like for you? Oh girl, I
2: have asked myself that many times. (laughs) Um You know, I like at each phase of my life, I kind of expected it to go away like I actually thought I would just run a like run a year or two in college and then focus more on my studies because I'd get kind of bored with it um and then again after college I was kind of like all right again like I'll do this for one year and achieve all of my goals and then we'll move on um and then in med school it's like well I'll just do this until I can't anymore or like until I get too burned out and that didn't happen and so I've just realized like Running has been a very key component of my life throughout all of these really difficult times where there wasn't a lot of time to run or like I had a lot of other things going on and yet it still brought me a lot of satisfaction and gratification and stability. And so I'm not going to prescribe any kind of, you know, way of life for the next 10, 20, 30 years. But I would not be surprised if it continues to to be there and continue to be an important component. But it is just that it is a component. And that's something I've really I think I've gotten better at the balance piece. I mean, there's no way to teach that. You just have to learn it like there's... Mm-hmm everyone's balance is different and I try not to beat myself up when I don't run as much as I want to, or my splits aren't as good as I want to. I try to take the word should out of everything and I'm not good at that, uh, but I'm getting better. And I think, um, running, running makes me feel good, like physically, mentally. And, um, it's always nice to kind of be that person, with, with something else you know, to be a little bit complex. And so when you're working full time and you're like, all right, I, but I, I also run um, and it, it does, it, it kind of forces you to to stay balanced by just inherently keeping it in your life. And so I, I definitely anticipate it being there for a while and I am not done competing yet. <laughs> and I guess I'll just keep, you know, keep that open mindset of like, well, maybe someday this will go away, but it hasn't yet. And I I think that's working for me at the moment at least.
1: I think that's such a good perspective perspective to have and I think I think we all look forward to seeing you continue to compete if that's what you want and if that's what your body wants you to do but it is fun to watch you race Mara.
2: Yeah, oh thank you. Um I mean I don't know about fun but it's there. <laughs> and I it's
1: I mean I'm sure you guys have also faced it like how do we create balance it's yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Um so we like to end the podcast with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Oh man. Sure, let's do it. Uh what is your favorite place for a long run in the Bay Area?
2: Uh <laughs> I really like Sawyer Camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know about yeah. long long runs though because it gets pretty hilly on that other yeah. side <laughs> of it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we want to start we want to get um another water fountain too. so needs oh, like at least more water. At least one more. Yes. I mean, there's not one at the start. No. Right. You have to go up the hill. So annoying. And it's along the reservoir. Come on. Give us that water. (laughs) It's all right there. (laughs) Just staring you in the face. Soria reminds me a lot of Minnesota, actually. So I think that's why I like Mm -hmm. it. Okay. Now I want to go to Minnesota. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What's your race day breakfast? Let's say for a marathon.
2: Oh, I'm definitely a a toast and peanut butter banana person. I feel like there's, there's kind of two camps, either oatmeal or toast. And I'm on the toast side.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What are your race day shoes?
2: Oh, I think I'll be wearing the alpha flies. Okay. I wore those for the trials and I'm they were great. Wow.
1: So you just you got them that day. Cause yeah. Okay, you got them and you were like, we're doing it.
2: Well, see, I had gotten the next percent like from Dina's friend, and I hadn't worn those, those before. From me. Was that you? So those no. were from me. Oh. oh my gosh. Shout out to you. <laughs> yeah. so you were going, yeah. you had saved my life, and then all of a sudden we okay. got three alpha flies. And I was like, Well, I was gonna wear shoes I hadn't worn before anyways, so I might as well yeah. <laughs> wear the other ones. Oh.
0: Christina was like, what, what size shoe do you wear? And I was like, well, in per sense, I'm an eight and a half. And she was like, Give me those. you're obsessed with shoes. Do you have an extra pair? And I was like, yes, take my shoes, please. What a small world. I had worn them like once for the Chicago Marathon. Oh anyway. my God.
2: <laughs> well, I have to say you like solved a huge stress for me in that lead up because I could not find shoes the week before the marathon. It was
1: so funny. Um okay so in the spirit of of destigmatizing periods what is your go to like yeah. remedy when you're having cramps or some kind of like pms symptom what
2: do you do you oh,
1: I just body? fight do you- with my
2: boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> the poor guy
1: good all right (laughs) Uh, if you could go for a long run with anyone who would it be
2: oh gosh like that i have before or any no can i make them become a long runner yeah yeah oh absolutely sherlock holmes i want to just just listen to that man like (laughs) stream of consciousness you know i just yeah if i can make him a long runner for sure him
1: Okay. I love it. Uh, and final, most important question, burger, burrito, or pizza? Burrito, hands down. Anytime, burrito. every time.
2: Preferably breakfast burrito, mm, but at yeah. any time of day. Yeah. Chipotle is my main post-race. Yeah.
1: Right. Indulgence. Yeah. nice awesome nice <laughs> well thank you so much mara it was such a pleasure getting to chat with you and um hopefully we'll see you out on the roads and we'll watch you at the marathon project good luck yeah.
2: oh thank you thank you for doing this this is really fun i hope i get to ask you all these questions at some point too. <laughs> we'll turn <laughs> the tables yeah all yeah. right
0: thanks mara have a good night all right you too <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode with Mara Olson. You can find Mara on Instagram at Mara.Olson, on Twitter at Mara Olson, but the O in Olson is actually a zero. So it's at s o n. As always, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at Runners of the Bay send us a message at runnersofthebay@gmail.com. at gmail.com make sure you subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and we would be so grateful if you could leave a rating and review and we're going to be cheering mara on in her race at the marathon project on sunday december 20th and usatf tv will actually be live streaming that so You need to go up and sign up for an account at usatf.tv to be able to watch it. It's going to be tons of fun. There's going to be amazing coverage. Des Linden is going to be commentating. And it's just going to be a really fun day for our sport that we're looking forward to. We can't wait to see how Mara does and to talk to her again soon. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you later.